This is Coach Chris Holtman. You're listening to Drive the Lane Podcast. Welcome back to the Drive the Lane Podcast. Ohio State's got Rutgers this weekend, and Drive the Lane's got Austin Ward from Letterman Row on the show to talk about this week's game and just Ohio State football as a whole. Exciting stuff. But before we get to all that, you know we're going to talk some hoops, because we always do. We're going to talk a little NFL, because we can talk about whatever we want to talk about. Joey, is it basketball season? Is it basketball season? I mean, it was media day yesterday, so therefore it's basketball season. Football season had a good run. Um, To be honest, all we do is just sit here and count days until it is basketball season, and then it's here. Um, I actually shout out to Nicole Kraft's uh, class, if you're listening to this. Had a blast talking to you guys today at Ohio State in the journalism school. But um, we were talking hoops today in that class. I went in and talked uh, about my philosophy for interviewing people. It was so funny. I'm like, I'm so far from a classically trained journalist. And Nicole's like, no, you're awesome. You're awesome. And I'm like, okay, thanks. And she loves you too, Zoldan. She, she, she says hello. So shout out to you guys if you're listening. Whatever she, whatever she wants me to zoom in, I'm ready. I know, 100%. I, I told her that. But um, – but, yeah, it's hoop season. The basketball team's going to be fun. We'll dive into all that, obviously. Expect more hoops guests coming on. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, NBA has training camp and stuff. It's wild. It, basketball's right around the corner. I was talking about this with a, a colleague of ours today on the phone. And I want your opinion because, you know, you're inside the basketball program. You were on the basketball team, for those of you listening that don't know. Uh so, so here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Ohio State basketball doesn't have the support that they should because the football expectation is national championship. So for some reason, fans think basketball should be going to the final four every year. When in reality, making the tournament and winning a game or two is, is really what the goal should be every year for a basketball team is being around the top of the Big Ten and winning two games in the tournament. What do you think about that? Um, yeah, it's unfair. I think – here's what I'll say, and Holdman feels the same exact way. All the coaches do. There is, like, less pressure on them because of the football expectations. They'll never be football. So, I mean, that's just the bottom line. But the truth of the matter is – yeah, I do think there's some elements of what you're talking about. Like, because the football team has such high expectations, basketball should follow, and that's tough. You know, the only schools that are good at both sports are, like, us in Alabama right now. You know, like, that's it. Um, obviously, I'm sure I'm missing some. But, um, I mean, it's wild. So, so yeah, I think that there's also a weird sense of, like, uh, like – because football season goes longer and people care about it for so much longer because we're so good and we have to, the big 10 championship game and the bowl game slash national championship game. There's more of a season like going into basketball season. Whereas like Duke, like granted Duke is not the same level in both, whatever, but like Duke stops caring about football as soon as basketball comes, because there's no relevant games left for Duke once basketball season starts happening, you know? So that's what I think it boils down to. It's really, really interesting. It's a weird dynamic. Uh, it, it does have like less pressure to the basketball team though, because football has such high expectations. I, I agree with you. I think it's a, uh, a good point, a good observation, and it's definitely unfair. You know, Ohio state had a disappointing end to the season last year, but they had an incredible year. You know, it was a weird end where they played Max Apesmith and and went down the first round to Oral Roberts. But, like, it was a really good year where they were hanging around the Big Ten all year. They were high as high as, what, three or four, and then they were in the Big Ten championship. So just uh, basketball is just weird and different in, in general. But I will say in terms of making a decision besides football or basketball, we saw LeBron on the Manning show. So quick little transition, Joe NFL season bears suck. Browns are good. Do you like the ESPN Manning show for Monday night football? Yeah, I I'm a fan. I think anytime you get former players talking about the sport that they were incredible at like nine times out of 10, it's fun to listen to. Um, 
I, I think that it's gotten kind of old and a little corny, uh, you know, having it every week. But I, I love the guests. LeBron, it was fun to listen to LeBron, but he kind of drives me crazy regardless of what he says. But he was so funny talking about how he, like, could have been a pro football player and had all these contract offers and blah, blah, blah. Great. I'm sure it's true. It's just a way for him to, you know, brag a little bit, which is fine. Uh, but when he was talking about, like, like when they were, like, having him – uh, like guess what play was going to happen or like talk through why this happened or why they should run or pass here. That's when I was like, Oh my God, this is too much, but yeah. I like it overall. I'm a big fan. What do you I, think? I, I think, I think the expectations on Eli similar to the expectations on the Ohio state basketball team are too high because of, you know, the older brother of the football team. No, I'm just kidding. I do. I do. I do like the show. Um, it's a little long, like I, I found myself flipping back and forth, getting a little of like the, I like the sounds of games, you know? Yeah. And I, I agree. I, I think, and granted we're re-recording this intro because we lost it. Um, and I say we, as in our producer lost it. <laughs> and, um, and you say uh, our producer as in me. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is fine. We're just doing it over again. And in the first time we kind of, I, I talked about how it would be hard to listen to the Manning broadcast if my team was playing in it. But since my team's never going to play in it except for once, I think, and it's going to be hilarious when Manning is talking about Nagy, um, like it's all good. So I like listening to it if it's not my team. If it's my team, it would be tough to not have Monday Night Football, uh, you know? I, I agree with you. So the reason I really bring this up is because right before football season started, we saw a couple photoshops where we saw – you know, EJ Liddell and, and some of the other basketball players in football uniforms. And LeBron was talking about how he played football. It's got me thinking, what athletes would you like to see play a different sport? And, and right away, I'll give you this one. Imagine Zion Williamson on a football field. I mean, I don't know what position he would play. I don't know where they would put him. But besides, I guess, like quarterback, I feel like any position would be exciting to see him at. Imagine – Imagine like a six, eight, 300 pound running back. Who's tackling him? Not me. That's for sure. Wow. Um, yeah, I think that's a no brainer. Anytime there's like a power forward basketball player, that's a freak athlete. It's just an automatic. He should be a tight end. You know, like they do it. College guys like Rico gathers, Mark vital, like all these guys, Mo Alley Cox, they are stud power forwards in college basketball. And then they become tight ends in the NFL. So I think that's a no brainer. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit of a different route. Um, and, and I know uh, this is, this is so redundant for going over this because you've already heard me talk about this once, even though uh, we're doing this again. Uh, the Oakland A's signed us like Olympic sprinter off out of straight out of team USA to, to steal bases for them. And he ended up like leading the league in steals and like they won the world series or whatever. So uh, I'm going to take like not a sprinter, but like a Tyreek Hill and throw him into the MLB as strictly a guy who steals bases. And I think that he would be a stud. Like he's like Trey Turner. He would slide. Like you'd have so much momentum for how fast he's going. He could start sliding as soon as he took off and he would get to the base. Like it's just yeah. insane. So that that's my first one. I like that one. My, my second one, you know, there's a bunch of like guards that I would love to see play like slot receiver, you know, but yeah. I, I, I like to think that, you know, everyone always says, imagine if LeBron played soccer or imagine if, if, you know, all these guys played soccer. Well, imagine if like Steph Curry, who is so good at perfecting the craft of basketball and shooting and dribbling. Like, I feel like he's so quick and shifty and smart that he would be able to dominate on a soccer field. And also he's so smart that he would use like the, the floppiness to his advantage. LeBron is almost too big. And same with, same with James Harden to where it would look how it looks in basketball too, like a little silly. But I yeah. feel like Steph Curry would be able to put some flair and finesse on his flops. He'd have some finessey flops. Yeah, I like Steph in soccer because, like you kind of said, he'd be the biggest soccer player like ever, but still not big, you know. So I think that he'd fit in. He's an unbelievable athlete, so there's no doubt about it. My last one, again, I went a different direction. It's been talked about all the time. Handball seems like a sport that anybody could hop in and, and do well if they're a good athlete with a good arm. Who's a good athlete with a good arm? Patrick Mahomes. I think Patrick Mahomes would be the best handball player. He'd make Team USA. Uh, this is not new news to anybody. I think that that would be 
really, really fun to watch. Again, that's just uh, uh, a little bit different. Uh, live also update breaking news. Nicole Kraft just said, we'd love to have Andrew, even if he is from Missouri, like this school, Mizzou. Really? Yeah. Well, tell her, I mean, it's better journalism school, so it would make sense that you would, I mean, that would be like. Well, oh, you, can, you can say that when you get there. I'm not going to say that to her. Anyway, so yeah, those are our guys. Send her, my, send her my info. I will. I will. I will. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, th- I think that's a pretty cool segment. I would love, I mean, that's a question that we could ask, you know, professional athletes if we ever have them on again. Um, we're, we're in a big uh, beat writer mode, but we will have, we will have players and athletes on here soon. Not that Austin Ward isn't an athlete. I'm sure. He's very athletic. He's a big Columbus crew fan. So I bet he's quite the soccer player himself. Before we get to the interview with Austin, I'm going to do something I've never done with you. Joey, here we go. Any questions for me? Whoa. Um, wow, Andrew, that's, uh, that's tough. I real We haven't talked about this. We talked a lot. Of, we've been on the soapbox for me about the Bears. Like, how, how do you feel about the Browns genuinely right now? I'm still, like, a little concerned, even though they looked – dominant against the bears and that was a dominant win and if they needed to they could have probably scored a few more times but cool the two the two wins are the texans and the bears so i think this the the next few games they have is is our actual tests it's at vikings at chargers home versus cardinals and then thursday night against the broncos and the broncos are undefeated so we'll really see and then home against the Steelers. So after these five games, I think if they're like six and three or seven and two after, no, no, that's not the right. It would be. Yeah, that's right. No, if they they, lost one game or two games in that stretch. That's right. If they're, if they're no, because they've played three games and I'm saying five. So if they're, if they're, if they're five and two, or four and three is what you're going to say. No, no, no. If they're if they're six and two or five and three, then I'll think it's it's legit. But if they're if they're like four and four after this, or they only win one, then obviously we're we're talking about something else. But I think they got a real chance to be five and three after the next five games. Yeah, no, no shit. I think they are the most one of the most impressive teams in the NFL. Granted, you said teams they haven't played the greatest teams but they lost to the chiefs in a game well now the chiefs are are the chiefs the chiefs so i don't that's a good point so i mean the chiefs will always be the chiefs there's no doubt about it but they're they're human this year so but but yeah i i'd feel good if i'd feel good if i were you it's fun to have a team to root for i would imagine uh, it, it is it is weird and fun it's like it's weird because the Bulls are going to be so exciting, and you know I'm a huge LeBron guy, so like I'm excited about the Lakers too. But like the Brown, usually at this point I'm like, all right, Brown season's over. Like excited for basketball, and now I'm going to have to like balance both. Like there's one day where I think I'm going to go to Cleveland for the Raiders game on Saturday, and then I'm going to be home for Bulls Lakers on Sunday. So that'll be you know an exciting day. Theoretically, you could attend both of those with me as well. Wait, wait, where, where are the games? One's in Cleveland. So you could come to Cleveland and meet me. And then you come home to Chicago for a little while. When we go well, yeah, theoretically, we could also go see every Lakers game. No, no, no. That's, that's more hypothetical than theoretical. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. <laughs> it's the line crossed. <laughs> anyway. All right. Um, let's get to our interview with Austin Ward. I think the, the ending is still saved, right? We got the ending. Ending is good. I got the ending. <laughs> Okay. All right. Good. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get to Austin Ward. And I feel like this is an outro now because this is the last thing we're doing, but it's not. So we'll see you at Austin Ward. (laughs) All right. Join us now from Letterman Row, Austin Ward, who covers the Ohio State Buckeyes. First question. What happened with Kevon Pope? We need the Austin Ward inside Letterman Rose scoop on what went down. Uh, well, uh, first, it's uh, it's good to see you guys again. I feel like I know you. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, if, if you made a list of players to watch during a game uh, and during this time of year where after 
four games, players can transfer uh, in the middle of the season and retain their eligibility. I mean, Kayvon Pope was at the top of the sort of wild card list for Ohio State. And so midway through the second quarter, he tried to run out on the field in a sub package that uh, he wasn't supposed to be out there for. And Taraja Mitchell waved him off pretty aggressively um, and passionately and angrily. And I thought, uh oh, this might not be good. And sure enough, he, he walked over straight to the bench and then kept going, you know, 40, 30, down towards the medical tent, heading south. And while this was going on, you know, I, I mean, I'm up there with Spencer Holbrook and Tim May in the press box, and, and Ronnie Hickman was about to intercept a pass and take it back, you know, for a touchdown. But I was like, I, I think I think Kayvon Pope just quit the team. Like, so nobody else was really watching it, and I didn't watch the Ronnie Hickman play. I just thought, this is really bizarre because he was pulling at his jersey. He was – he makes the turn. He starts going straight towards the locker room. Everybody else on the team is celebrating a defensive touchdown, uh, and he is just nowhere to be seen. C.J. Barnett went and got him and turned him around, brought him back, but that wasn't the end of it. He threw his gloves into the stands. He started – he started to start taking his jersey off, and that's when Ryan Day saw him, uh, and that's when it escalated uh, further. The rest of – you know, several coaches saw that. Uh, you know, he tried to hang around for a little bit longer. Brian Voltolini came over and said, uh-uh, you're, you're out of here. Um, so C.J. Barnett then took him back down uh, up the tunnel and into the locker room. Uh, then the tweets were sent, and everybody deleted from there. <laughs> so, so it was weird because I don't think a lot of other people were paying attention to it initially. And I think because that was the weird part for me is, like, my Twitter account was blowing up and going crazy. And normally that's the thing, like, 20, 30 other people are – are passing along at the same time and nobody else was. So, so first of all, Austin, great to have you back. Um, I jumped, the, I jumped the shark. I was so excited to ask. The, hey, you wanted to know Pope about Pope. That's fine. I, I got a couple questions for you. Number one, let me just say, I was at the game and I didn't even notice until I saw your tweet. No right. clue. Um, and, and like, like it wasn't like I was like up in C deck. Like I was, no one noticed. No one right. noticed. It was wild. Um, but a couple questions for you. Number one, how, I mean, how relevant is it to literally the rotation that he's gone? Yeah. And then number two, how much do you read into this as like a like an issue? Like everyone wants to frame <laughs> it as oh, no, another issue for the defense. Like how much do you read into something like that? Yeah. Um, knowing – I'll take the second part, part first. Knowing Kayvon Pope's history and – like if this had been the first time that he ever had any sort of run in with the coaching staff or, you know, talked about quitting the, the team, you know, that might be something you hardly noticed it. The TV cameras didn't catch it initially. You don't send the tweet. Maybe there's a path back, you know, to that. And, you know, but it wasn't. So this wasn't an isolated incident with Kayvon Pope, but in terms of the overall program, you know, I don't think that it's some sign that, that, ever the walls are crumbling in the woody or anything like that. Um, and that's, that also doubles into what you're asking about for the linebacker rotation. I think that Pope, when he's had opportunities, especially two years ago, it's like every time he went in the game late, he was getting an interception. He was junk, jumping into, you know, passing lanes and deflecting footballs. Like the guy is an athletic blitzer. Um, you know, he's, he's done things that showed you why he could have been a really good player at Ohio state, but you know, there just was never, reliability, trust, you know, put whatever you want. You know how it goes, Joe. You've seen this uh, on the basketball side, guys, that the coaching staff know if you put him out there, he's going to do his assignment. You know, and sometimes you, you take the good with the bad. If you know that there's a really high ceiling, you might take that risk. Hey, Kim on Pope could make something happen with a blitz. And they've, you know, he's done that a little bit. And he did that a little bit in the first three games, but not to the level that he wanted. And that's the trade-off with, you know, the, youth movement that Ohio State is going through defensively. They get, you know, Dallas Gant and Kimon Pope wanted to play a lot as seniors. They waited, they waited a really long time behind those veteran guys, but, you know, they weren't performing up to the level that Ohio State wanted or needed. And so if you're going to take lumps, which would you rather do if you're Al Washington or Ryan Day? Do it with Cody Simon and Tommy Eichenberg or even Steel Chambers or guys that, you know, have been doing it for a really long time and just hasn't clicked. So, um, it doesn't 
it's not great that you're down to six, seven scholarship linebackers, but Dallas Gant and Kayvon Pope weren't going to be players. I don't believe that Ohio State was really going to build around anyway. Follow-up question, sorry, Zoldan. When did Steel Chambers become a linebacker? Did I just miss that? <laughs> when Master uh, Teague shaved. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, I was like, that can't be the same guy. <laughs> yeah, some, yeah, in um, like February of this year, I, it didn't happen in February, Joey, but this is like the backstory. Like Ohio State knew what the, their depth situation was, and it obviously is now a little bit thinner. But Steel Chambers in, in high school was a really great linebacker, and he wanted to be a running back. Mark Pantone, the recruiting staff, they saw this guy at some point being a linebacker, and you know, you're not going to force somebody to do it if they're not bought into that role. And I get that part. Um, but they just kept waiting and hoping. And it seemed like going into spring camp that he was going to see the opportunity that was there. And Rowan McCullough played linebacker, the, the former long snapper for the Buckeyes, in the spring game. That should have been the flashing warning sign that, hey, there's an easier path to playing time at linebacker than trying to compete with Travion Henderson. And that's, I think, he wanted to give it that one last try through spring. But then in the summer, you know, starting in June, you saw him at, at you know, one-day camps and stuff with Ohio State. He was with Al Washington. He was helping lead tackling drills, get into training camp. Uh, he was over there getting ready for that. And it's not an easy thing to do. So the fact that he's you know, making five, six tackles in, a, in an Ohio State game after four games there tells you a little bit about just why uh, Ohio State believed so long that this guy should be a linebacker if he was ready to make that commitment. And then when he did, you're starting to see some of those results now. Unreal. So I literally could not believe it. <laughs> I was, I was like nudging. I was at the game with some buddies. I was like, Steel Chambers is playing linebacker. Do you guys yeah. even remember him? He was a running back. You scored touchdowns. <laughs> like it's wild. Yeah. I mean, I, physical style. And that's what it translates really well. I went to, I went to Mizzou, Austin. And all the time we have like quarterbacks that turn into, wide receivers or, or quarterbacks to cornerbacks or we have like an offensive lineman that's now a tight end like that kind of stuff happens at Mizzou I was a little surprised to see it happening uh at Ohio State but you mentioned how crowded the running back room was right. Minnesota and Oregon everyone kind of got equal carries by the end of the Oregon game it was like all right Master T you're not gonna get the ball as much do you think that the season looks different if Henderson was getting 20 plus carries week one, all the way to where we are now. And then the follow-up to that is now that they see that now that they kind of know what they have with CJ Stroud, is it more likely that they run the table or lose all three of their ranked matchups that they have on the schedule? I don't, I mean, I don't personally think Ohio state's going to lose a big 10 game. Um, and in a lot of ways, what you're talking about with the Oregon game, it doesn't just apply at running back. Um, I promise I'll answer that question. But everywhere you look, especially on defense, those problems came to a head. And when you lose, you have no choice but to figure out what went wrong and how you can fix it. Um, and it, it's maybe too much of a cliche at this point to say Ohio State lost in week two in 2014. They had issues. Uh, on the offensive line, JT Barrett was a freshman quarterback. They had to get it fixed. And then they just steadily got better and better and, and won a national championship. I don't know definitively that this team will follow that blueprint, but they've made significant changes since then. Plus, they are still one of the two or three most talented programs in the country. Now, this season is hard. Ask Clemson. It's, when you lose a full year of reps and game experience and all that stuff, it's, it's been a little bit of a crapshoot early on. But the fact that Ohio State lost and then had to, you know, sit down with those evaluations and say, uh, do we have things right with our coaching staff on defense? Are we running the correct scheme? Are we putting the right personnel in the game, offense and defense? You know, that can wind up being something that propels them to that later on. Uh, that's not necessarily, if you're asking between the two, I don't think that they will lose uh, to Penn State. I think Michigan is still uh, a fraud until proven otherwise, you know, We'll see what happens in all those games. They're going to be played. But, you know, would it be different if Travion Henderson had got 20 carries against Oregon? I don't know that that was really the problem. I mean, C.J. Stroud threw for almost 500 yards in that game. You know, they had a couple, you know, third down conversions, obviously, where they didn't run the ball as well as they needed, but they didn't block that well in that game. Um, so 
we also know that he's a generational player. I, I'm not trying to play both sides of it, but Ohio State sort of went into this season thinking, you know, it might take five or six weeks for Trayvon Henderson to learn the intricacies of blitz pickup, you know, during some practices that we saw in August. You know, they were trying to teach him, you know, how to get to the next level with a block, and he would maybe trip over a bag or not not have his feet underneath him, and he wasn't catching, you know, balls out of the backfield the way you expect. And, like, they knew that he would get there. And they're like, well, let's get Mayan Williams and Master Teague through the first month, and then maybe by then he's ready to take off. But that's another example where, hey, there's no room for error here. If Trayvon Henderson is our most talented running back, he's going to have to be on the field. And, and then that was an adjustment that you've seen since then. And, and I don't think you'll see any of that, much of that rotation starting Saturday against Rutgers. I love, and you see it in every sport at every level, that coaches have such a hard time sometimes playing the most talented guy. Yeah. It is so bizarre because, you know, they're worried about this. They're worried about, you know, obviously their age and the veteran status and pissing players off or whatever it might be. Right. Just obviously I'm not a coach, so I don't quite get it, but I'll never understand like how you don't just play the best player from day one, but that's besides the point. Well, they um, had that issue, Joe. I mean, you look at early the, the first couple of weeks, you know, 26 players playing on defense. Exactly. You know, and they it was clear already at that point the, the stops that Ohio State got late in the Oregon game, the two three and outs that let them at least have a chance to come back into it. You looked out on the field and it was their starters and what you know, with a few notable exceptions. And J, JT Tuimola was already out there at defensive end, and they let those guys play two consecutive series. Like, you know, you can't sacrifice wins to try and keep everybody happy because if you lose, no one is happy. 100%. It's it's wild. I think football, it's different just because there's 11 guys and like physically sometimes guys aren't ready. Right. Yeah. But like in basketball, like it's just easier because one loss doesn't kill you, obviously, first and foremost, but also like you got 40 minutes and there's a lot of plays to kind of see it happening. Yeah. Whereas in football, like this old guy could be terrible. He'd give up a touchdown. The game, the game's out of reach, you know, like it's just, it's wild, but let's talk about running the table for Ohio State. Sure. Um, obviously, that's what everyone wants. That's the only way this podcast will get any listens is if they run the table. So yeah, we're struggling. We're struggling. <laughs> so hey, I've got uh, a secret for you guys. When they start losing, if they lost more, then you'd have a lot more to talk about. Well, we did. We did an episode. We we're like, let's do just us. We'll talk about the loss. And it was our worst listened to okay. episode okay. ever. And we were like, all right, it's time to put the bat signal up. We need Austin Ward. Well, we, <laughs> well, the problem was Andrew had strep throat. We didn't like, I was out of town. Like we had all these different things that lined up and then we lost and we we're like, well, <laughs> like, here we go. But running the table, yeah. obviously there are a few games that are, you know, highlighted, right? You mentioned, we mentioned Michigan, we mentioned Penn state. Obviously we're going to have to play in Iowa or, you know, maybe Wisconsin, who knows in the, in the big 10 championship. What about Rutgers? Is Rutgers scary next week? Uh, well, that's an interesting question because if it's the Rutgers like last year with Greg Schiano that threw every trick under the sun at them and you know was trying to do anything within his power to spring an upset, then you always have to be prepared for that. And I would think that that would be the way that Greg Schiano approaches this game. But the one that played Michigan last week that looked like it had no interest in winning a big game and like it wasn't even trying. Michigan was giving them every opportunity. I think it was it was either four or five straight three and outs in the third quarter and second half. And Rutgers would, you know, just they, – they were doing nothing creative on offense. They were stagnant at midfield. They were, you know, punting to win. They were t taking bizarre you know, chances on, you know, fourth and two and just running a wildcat – quarterback up the middle like there was nothing creative about it that made you think they're really going to take a swing at this at least not compared to what Greg Schiano did last year in the horseshoe now even if they do that and the reason that you try all those gimmicks is that you know you don't have a roster that matches up one through 85 and Rutgers does not have that even as much as we're talking about Ohio State trying to fix things it's really in cons in context of are they going to be good enough to win a national championship every game they play from here out uh, including Penn State including in Ann Arbor you know, they're, they, they're going to be the favorite in that game and maybe by double digits in all of them. So their roster is that much better than everybody else. So um, that that's going to be the case on Saturday. It's never 
you know, fun for anybody to go on the road in the Big Ten, certainly not against somebody who really wants to do everything possible to spring an upset. And then C.J. Stroud's coming back off, the, you know, a week off with the shoulder. So there's some intrigue there. But yeah, Rutgers is not a team that I think – I think the line is at 16.5 or 17 right now. Um, that's maybe about right, accounting for the fact that Rutgers is better. These games used to be, you know, 42-point spreads, 35-point spreads. So they've done a nice job, but they're not ready to, in my opinion, go toe-to-toe with the Buckeyes. I, unfortunately, have fallen victim to – the spreads yeah a few times this year i also fell victim to cj stroud for heisman and okay. then after the oregon game i really thought he had a chance to win the heisman because oklahoma spencer rattler did not look good right. um whatever the guy's name in cincinnati kind of had a bad few games so it was like all right you know it's like bryce young few other guys cj stroud so joey and i went all in in that one episode i was like we're making you the case. went all in i you went all in i'm making the case cj stroud for heisman right. do you think that is impossible at this point or could some big games and then wins over ranked teams put him into the conversation yeah it's not impossible and then you know he doesn't benefit of course from getting the stats that would come from playing akron but um Everybody else has struggled enough that and there's no September winner of the Heisman. There's no coming from behind. There's no entrenched leader, any of that stuff really in college football right now. The things that you just mentioned, you know, those big quarterbacks that were supposed to run away with it at Clemson or Alabama, you know, maybe, maybe Alabama's got a little bit different situation there with Young, but, you know, Rattler's certainly not done that. You know, some of the competition that's going to happen if C.J. Stroud does have the season from here on out that, that many of us expected. I mean, Travion Henderson is going to start getting some attention for that. Garrett Wilson is going to get some attention for that. Um, that's, you know, assuming that things continue on the path that that they probably should offensively. But no, I, I mean, I wouldn't rip up the ticket because uh, he's got opportunities now. And even in the game that they lost, everyone will look back and think, oh, that was when Ohio State had problems on defense. And he threw for almost 500 yards in his second career start. So that'll they'll be able to write that off a little bit. Now, a lot of it still depends on coming back, as I said, with the strength of that shoulder. And, you know, he's missed some practice time and he is still in his first year starting. But no, I, I wouldn't say you're dead in the water yet. I'd hang on a little bit. Who right now, if you had to bet, who wins freshman of the year, Henderson or CJ Stroud? <laughs> I don't, I've never understood why like redshirt freshmen get lumped to, in the same category. Like, well, they're a freshman. Why are they having, are they having the award for two? Travion Henderson, I think, is probably going to win it. He has just, to, right? He just has to. Yeah, and, you know, Stroud's going to put up crazy numbers. And then when people get ready to vote, and, and maybe this will happen in the Heisman race, I don't think so. It doesn't work quite the same way, but they'll think, yeah, well, that's the quarterback at Ohio State, and he's got a ton of other people around him. But if Travion Henderson, you know, is running for 280 yards in, in the first, like, real start of his career and then has all this ahead of him, I mean, gosh, I – he got nine carries last week, right? Eight carries for 92 yards. Like he's going to put up some insane numbers. So, you know, the touchdown numbers are going to be crazy. And they'll be like, well, he's doing it as a true freshman at running back. You know, he, he doesn't have the benefit of like counting on Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. I think he's got, you know, he'll, he might wind up with an inside track on that one. Uh, and that award could be tougher for CJ Stroud to pull away. Uh, hey. On the topic of Chris Olave, sorry, and as crazy as this season has been, did you have the craziest thing being Chris Olave not having a catch in a game as being the, the most wild thing to happen this year? And we've got a long list of things, don't we? I, I mean, know, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I've talked to Chris a couple of times in the last couple of weeks, and he's totally fine with that. I didn't think it would happen. And he only had two catches on, on Saturday. One was for a touchdown that was sort of that you know, just a pop pass, not the greatest, yeah, not the greatest route that he's ever run in his life or had to run. Um, but, you know, he's, he's been fine with that. Uh, I think he's comfortable in with who he is and that people already know what he can do. And there's a lot of season left. He knows that there'll be more footballs that come his way. You know, he was in there again this afternoon after uh, media availability went into to shoot one of our videos for Letterman Row and he and G Scott were out there, you know, catch it. They've been doing a new routine since that, uh, score, you know, catchless game two weeks ago. He had the one drop there that 
you know, from CJ Stroud, maybe it changes the complexion of things a little bit. Uh, another one was called back uh, later in the second half, but the, the stats were the stats and he put one on the ground. So he's been added that thing on Tuesday afternoon before practice. That's now two weeks in a row. Uh, you know, if anyone is ever going to get that fixed and get it right, that you can count on Chris Olave. Just so we're all on the same page with my uh, CJ Stroud Heisman bet before the Tulsa game, I had bet 50 and I could have cashed out for 60 and now I can only cash out for 10. So it's been, it's been a rough. Well, yeah. You definitely want to let it ride them. It's been a rough two weeks. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Risking the 10. I think like maybe yeah. he can get around the final three and then I can cash out for like a hundred or 200, but, <laughs> but I definitely, I definitely uh, lost some potential money right there by not pulling out at 60. What I like talking about is crazy hypotheticals that if they do happen, I can say I called it. Okay. So my hypothetical of the week is Ryan Day to the Bears. What do you think of that? Yeah, I don't – if he's ever going to leave Ohio State, and he in as much as college football is changing, it's not as crazy to think that that could happen in, a, you know, three, four, or five years down the road as it used to be. Um, I'm pretty sure that he's waiting for Bill Belichick to leave uh, New England so he can head head home to the mm -hmm. Northeast. Um, yeah, he said somebody actually asked um, asked Ryan Day today, like if he saw what happened to to Fields on Sunday and you know the sacks and what do you tell him? And he's like, oh yeah, you know, I mean somebody told me, but uh, I had my own problems to get through, so I wasn't watching what happened with Justin. I was watching it, and oh my god. I'm pulling so hard for this kid because I thought, and I, you know, I know what the bears history is with quarterbacks and like, man, this would be a great story because I really believe that he got shortchanged in the draft process. Like that's great. Like Chicago deserves to get one, right. They got a break that he slipped this far. And then I just look and I guess I've seen, you know, most of the last two games, what in the world are they it's doing? Like they're like, punking us. That's like, <laughs> It's going to ruin him. In, they're going to ruin him in six games. It's so awesome. Andrew is, we're both from Chicago, but Andrew's a Browns fan. I'm a Bears fan. Oh, okay. Uh, well, that, so, so that's good to know. That's, it's good for you to know that. Um, yeah. Obviously, I almost cried when the Bears drafted Justin Fields for various <laughs> different reasons. Sure. Um, and then when he was starting against the Browns, like I almost got in my car and drove to Cleveland for the game. I realized probably wasn't going to end well. So I did I didn't want to waste my time and money. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't, but it really truly feels like and and big cat barstool, big cat. He's literally, this is his 100%. This is, this is what he thinks that we're being pumped. Like <laughs> Matt Nagy comes out in his press conference and says, there are four guys who can start a quarterback for us on Sunday. It's like, no, there's not. No, there's not. Well, I mean, with the, with the, creative offense that they ran there were a hundred guys that could have done what they did on Sunday. Like yeah, Stroud I, I could have. I don't know what they were trying to accomplish. <laughs> I really don't. It you was have like Justin Fields. Like if your offensive line is a problem, then let him do some things athletically. Pocket something. Yeah. Holy moly. You remember <laughs> you remember last year when there was like a few guys who were out for COVID and no one knew who it was and people thought it was fields. And then all of a sudden they just kind of posted a picture of fields going onto the airplane. Yeah. Matt Nagy's like tried to capture some of that like suspense where he's like, Hey, anyone could start. Or it's like when urban had five quarterbacks in the huddle before the Virginia tech game after they won the national championship. And then right. finally Cardale went out. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing, but. Oh God. I just, it, it all comes back to, it, it all comes back to the idea that we talked about already. It's like, just play the best guys. Like he's yeah. clearly the most talented guy. Like just give him the, it's just in the NFL, you only get so many years, especially when you have a good rookie quarterback, obviously this team sucks and they're not good, but like get them out there. Like, Oh my gosh, whatever. I just, People were like, oh, you can't start him against the Rams. It's going against Aaron Donald. It's like, okay, well, then don't start Tom Brady against the Rams either. Like, I don't know. Like, what? Do, uh, I, I mean, I just don't – I just don't know. I just don't know. It's so sad. That's a little, that's a little different. I feel like I'm yeah. being punked. I feel like I'm being well, 
I just, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was weird. I'll put it that way. It's, it's pretty remarkable. I don't remember ever a coach like setting someone up to fail as bad as he set him up to fail. Like that's, why are you running Andy Dalton's playbook with the, with, with, I, he came out. Okay. Last thing I'll say, and we can move on. He came <laughs> out. Um, so there was an article written where he was interviewed, where he was like, we've been like, ever since Justin got drafted, we've been building this playbook for him. And now, you know, so, and then the reporter was like, and now, you know, he ended the article. It was like, and now we finally get a chance to see it on Sunday. Yeah. And then someone responded to it five days later. It was like, he lied. <laughs> well remember remember what he said afterwards joey like if the game had been closer he would have played more like what, what does that mean why would that have changed it if why couldn't if that was the case why wouldn't you have played him to make the game closer i don't understand the logic it's like galaxy brain stuff and it's hard to follow yeah there's a <laughs> So he, the press conference he has on Bear, the Bears Twitter does a live feed of his press conference, right? And I can't miss. And um, so I'm watching it, and the you know the thing pops up like the old Periscope. It says like help us moderate the chat, like you know all that good stuff. The first thing that pops up is like fuck this guy, and then and then right underneath it it says moderator deemed fine, like right underneath it. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so unbelievable. It's just, oh, he, I just, I just love when he's like, Andy's our starter when he's healthy, but he's like, we're thrilled to have Justin as our starter. And it's like, holy shit, dude. Like, please help me here. Like, what are you trying to do here? What are you trying to do? It's not oh. great. All right. Well, I have one last question. Day yeah. to the Bears. <laughs> are, are you, a, who's the more famous ward in Columbus, Denzel or Austin? <laughs> I mean, uh, for about 15 minutes on Saturday night, I might have had him topped. Uh, things were just really going crazy. I'm not used to that. If I, just, I, if I clipped just that line that you just said without my question, <laughs> <laughs> it, w- it would sound like you were out in Vegas. Just yeah, yeah. Don't uh, don't do that to me. It, <laughs> it. I mean, he. Yeah. It. It was. It was funny. I mean, um, when he was around and people would would make those jokes and i'd say yeah yeah that's my cousin denzel and he's gonna owe me a lot of money once he gets up to cleveland like uh i, I loved i loved car he's a great personality and uh, he's doing some cool things with his charity up there but saturday was an was an interesting one because you know when when the barstool accounts get to you and you know the, the mass like aggregating sites because like i said earlier like nobody else was really paying attention to that and then my twitter like just exploded like you know, I've got a nice little audience here for our stuff uh, at Letterman Row and Rooster Show and Weekend Kickoff at Urban Myers Pint House. And like, there are, you know, a few people that like to follow me that and that's cool. But I've never had to be like, you know what, I, I have to close out Twitter and turn off notifications on the phone because I'm afraid I won't be able to accomplish any work. And my phone might die. Yeah, it was was a good, it's a good feeling, though. I've had that happen one time, one time. I scored um, in a, it was so, it was like more than I just scored. Like I had a good game and it was, right. and I was older. So like I had a following, like you're kind of talking about. Is that the one and where you went like it, you went in like right before halftime and you made some plays in that one? Yeah, it might've, it might've been that game because when I looked at my phone after like Johnny Dixon had tweeted at me and all these guys, all the football players had tweeted at me. And eventually my, I looked at my phone after the game and I had tweeted something myself <laughs> and it said like, my Twitter was like, you're getting too many notifications. We've turned them off. And I was like, Oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. (laughs) So I like to say I, I empathize a little, not quite the same level because I, your tweet was nuclear, but I mean, it's just, it's, it's a good, Andrew one day you'll, you'll know what we're talking about. No, we had it. Joey, we had it when we tweeted the chase young picture with the mustache. (laughs) Remember that? We said Ace Young is suiting up for the national championship. <laughs> that, that had crazy numbers. That was a good one. Yeah. Oh, too funny. It was just so simple. I was just like, I think that Kayvon Pope just quit the team. The <laughs> and like by, you know, I checked it when I got home from the horseshoe at like two or three in the morning. And I was like, well, I wonder how this compares to like the normal engagement 
from a basic tweet. And, you know, you hope the numbers tell you, you should hope for like 10% engagement on a tweet from your followers. And so I've got, you know, like 21,000 something. So, you know, a normal tweet, you hope like 10,000 people might see it. Well, the impressions on this tweet in like 12 hours were over a million. And I was like, no wonder I couldn't see what any person ever said to me because. Wait, but you didn't get that many likes. I mean, you got a thousand likes. I know. I, well, the, the conversation was going crazy and it was shutting it down. But then there were other like people would screenshot it because, you know, they were trying to get all the capture the engagement for themselves or people would tag me. So that tweet itself, like had a life that was separate from my account, which I'm grateful for in some ways, because I would have really had to turn off my phone if it hadn't. But like, that's what was shooting it everywhere is that nobody else said it. So they were all, you know, people, Barstool's story. I think they just, you know, took screenshots of my tweet. Like they thought I was going to delete it or something. I, I, I don't know. I'm not, why would I do that? Um, but yeah, that part was weird. I'm not, and I'm not saying any of that because I'm like super excited that it happened to Kayvon Pope. We talked about it early on. It sucked. And I don't think that anyone wanted to have that situation happen for the kid or the program. Um, but the one, one's man, one man's trash is, you know, another man's treasure. And I, I'm not, but I wasn't looking to capitalize it. You know, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I feel bad for him that that's what happened. I can only imagine like what his account looked like after he sent his own tweets. Like <laughs> those were designed for intent, uh, attention and mine were not. So that's uh, a key difference, I guess. Will you get verified as a result of this? I mean, what, where is your check mark? You know what? I used to be verified when I was at ESPN, uh, and you, I don't know. It vanished after. You can a, apply. A, you know you can apply, right? I know, and I have, and I got denied, and I don't know how or why, but at this point, I'm just like, whatever. You know, if they want, if somebody wants to create a fake award sports account, I have at it. Let's let's see it. I, that's not really a challenge, but like, who would want that? I don't. Why would why would there be value in that i can't understand it so i guess we what we have to do is you'll make a fake zolden account i'll make a fake ward account andrew you make a fake joey account we all apply <laughs> to be verified and we all get verified i think that's how it works i already have a, i already have a fake joey account <laughs> what is it yeah you just don't see it it's out there though uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, okay no I'm there's just... an account there's an account that my uh my friend made back in college. Uh, he played for a different team in in Division One basketball. I won't won't give his name away. Uh, who made an account called "Does Joey Lane Have a Girlfriend?" and tweeted no every single day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's been doing that for what, like twenty five years? Yeah, twenty four. Yeah, and and at some point, my coaches saw it and were like, "This has to stop. You have to you have to tell who it is. You have to stop." You're so too much funny. of a distraction, Joey. You yeah. and your love life. Oh my God, so funny! All right, we we've, we've had you for too long, Joey. Yeah. We got to wrap it up how we always wrap it up, though. Mr. Ward, do you have any questions for us? I I just you know you guys lay it all on the line every single week. What what could be a mystery to me? I just I want the best for you both. I'm really glad that it's growing. That this still exists that we got to play some small part along the way. I mean, I, you guys are on a podcast every week. What could I not know about you guys? It's, 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 you're all out there. That's, that's very sweet, but it's also a cop out. You're trying to (laughs) stall. I have to ask questions to people every single day. I don't want to ask you two guys. That's fair enough. Cause usually what we'll say is we'll go, okay, like Bill Landis, you do this for a living. It's time for you to your time to shine, ask us some questions and he'll ask us questions. You phrased it the perfect way. You're like, you guys, hey, it's late at night. You're lucky I'm here. I'm not asking you any questions. That's right. My, my wife is now having to put the, put the girl to bed herself. So uh, in that way, I will thank you guys for that. I got out of some adult responsibility. There you go. Well, well you're welcome. <laughs> we, we will definitely have you on again before uh, the season ends. It's not up to you. It's up to us. So, so we'll. Just we'll, open for an invite, boys. All right. Thanks for coming on, man. Austin Ward, Ohio State football. Which players would be cool playing another sport? 
you can clearly tell that we are in football season, but you know that we are excited and gearing up for basketball season. We will have big time guests. We'll be talking hoops. We'll be giving 130% effort towards basketball season. Folks, we're close. We are close to Ohio State basketball. Joey, way too early, 40 days from the season. What's your realistic thoughts on what this Ohio State basketball team can do? I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to. We're doing this right now. I right guess. now. Right now. Putting you on the spot. I mean, probably national championship or bust at this point, right? There you go. That's the answer I was looking for. <laughs> um, I love how you have slowly shifted to like, yeah, it's more fun to do this podcast when it's basketball season. I'm glad you've you've joined that. that uh, well, well, the last few years when Ohio State was just like, they're the best team in football for sure, besides maybe Bama or Clemson, like – I feel like other people wanted to come on and talk about football, but now the basketball players, not like the current players, like the former basketball players or whatever, like they're not coming on and talk football. The NFL players are, are busy with their NFL season. We're just, you know, we just, we're D'Angelo Russell and Mike Conley away from hitting everyone. So we gotta, we gotta get creative here. And we will, I'm not worried. Um, yeah. I got a quick shout out to my really annoying roommate. Uh, Matt Buells and the whole group chat we have from college that was blowing me up because they heard me talking shit about LeBron. So um, there's that right now uh, before. We go. Yeah. So I got to give them a shout out. Anyone you want to shout out, Andrew, before we go? Uh, girlfriend, Brittany was in here while we were recording. Give a little shout out to her. Give a little shout out to uh, my little brother, Josh biggest Browns fan in the world is pretty happy right now and shout out to Josh Schaffner if you're still listening <laughs> I can't believe you got to meet Joey very jealous when I'm in Columbus you will be getting direct messaged and we will be buying you a root beer because I assume if you're a freshman you are not old enough to drink but if you have a fake ID let's party I under what's that what's the beginning of the song where it's like Underage drinking is really bad. I got a fake ID, though. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Sick. Right, so shout out, shout out, Josh Schaffner. Shout out all the fans. Drive the lane. We got some big things in the works. Buckle up. Drive the lane. Go Buckeyes, baby. Woo.